Welcome to the Focus Church Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. We hope that it inspires you and gives you a fresh perspective. Enjoy the sermon. This weekend, we took 13 of our students from our youth ministry to a creative competition called Fine Arts with other churches. There are 275 other churches in the state within our network, and they compete in various categories. I'm talking um, creative writing, short sermon, singing, dancing, uh, uh, painting, 2D art, 3D art. I mean, there's hundreds of categories that they can participate in. And uh, we actually took 13 students at a state level, and all 13 have advanced to the national level in competition, which is really cool. Huge shout out to Jake Gwynn for his male vocal solo junior, which is the middle school category. Braden Gwynn for advancing in his short sermon junior category. Justin Nunn for his short sermon in the college division. Elena Wagner had a book chapter, advanced to nationals in the writing division. Nevaeh Kiker, Bree Brackman, and Nevaeh Allred all did a hip-hop dance that advanced to nationals. Come on, somebody. Joel Santiago advanced to nationals with his t-shirt design. Catherine Nieves and Harmony Santiago went with a small vocal ensemble junior and they advanced to nationals. And then Ariana Santiago advanced in three categories, short sermon high school division, worship leading, and she placed first in the entire state in female vocal solo high school as a ninth grader. Come on somebody. Female vocal solo is the largest category and the hardest one to win. And so she won last year in the junior category because she was in eighth grade. And I told her, hey, you're going to now be up against juniors and seniors. So I was just trying to, you know, set some expectations, you know. I didn't say she wasn't going to win. I just made sure she knew that the competition was changing. She was going from being in eighth grade at the top to being in ninth grade at the bottom. And when she grabbed that microphone, she had to do it three times. She First time, she got called back. She did it a second time. And then she performed it in front of everyone at the very end. It's like um, female vocal solo is like best in picture at the Academy Awards, like best picture. It's the hardest one to win and with the most competition. And, and, and someone from this house out of 275 churches won first place. Come on, somebody. So... They will all be going to Ohio in August to compete at a national level. I don't know why they chose Ohio, but they're going to go to Ohio. Um, and so no offense to anyone from Ohio, but you're here now, so you know why you're here now. But we're going to be going to Ohio to compete at a national level, all 13 students. So I'd ask that you would just uh, do two things. Number one, if you have a student that is not in our youth ministry, you need to get them into our youth ministry um, because this is where gifts are developed and deployed. The second thing that you need to do is you need to prayfully consider helping sponsor some of these parents that are sending multiple kids to National Fine Arts, i.e. your preacher. Camp happens in July, Nationals happens in August, and I will be getting a second job in September. 
So just prayfully consider joining us in that um, endeavor, in the offering, and uh, we just thank you. Um, thank you to our youth pastors, Pastors Brayton and Megan, and all the youth leaders that went, sacrificed their weekend. It was cool. John even went. Thanks, John. John, John played behind a lot of the kids that sang their solos, so thank you, John. All right, have you enjoyed this series so far? Awesome. Is that rain that I hear and thunder? We must be touching heaven today. We must be touching heaven today. I didn't know if that was like a sound issue or not, so I wanted to clarify. Before I got going, I was like, who's back there blowing into the microphone? Like, you know, okay. Thank you for your patience over the past five weeks as I've been helping out my dad. Thank you for, um, you know, enduring sermons on video. I, I don't know if, if that's even something I should thank you for. Half of our, more than half of our church already does it. And so um, if I hear, are you going to be live? It's like, well, Jesus is going to be there, and that's enough. And the same power that raised Christ from the dead lives inside of you and on the screen when I'm preaching. So um, I'm not saying that I don't enjoy preaching live. I'm just saying that if I'm not here on occasion, it's okay. Okay, you watch all of your favorite celebrities from your phone. And when I do preach live, I usually see your eyes on the side of the screens anyways. So you'd watch it on video even when I'm here in person. All right, let's talk about sex. I'm going to give you 90 seconds to take anyone out of the room that you don't think needs to hear about a PG-13 level of uh, God's design for sexuality. Now, if you have teenagers in the room today and they already have internet access and you've not talked to them about biblical sexuality, you need to do so now. Today, after church, you need to go ahead and prioritize because if they have unlimited, unrestricted internet access, they already know more. So if you have a... Back in my day, they would send out the middle schoolers when you had this kind of sermon. These days, they got drag shows happening at elementary age levels. So um, bring your infants back in so that they can learn about... Don't do that, but, um, but they can learn about biblical sexuality. I do want to link you to a resource that Ashton and I highly recommend. It's called The Talk. It's seven lessons to introduce your child to biblical sexuality. And I put the QR code to the Amazon link. I don't get a kickback or some sort of referral thing. It's just the link to the Amazon. I think it's 11 or $12. And I'm not going to open it. It has pictures and you'll screenshot it and then embarrass me later on on Facebook. But this will help you walk through seven lessons to introduce your child to biblical sexuality. Please keep that slide up as long as possible because I see people still trying to get that, that link. And I would encourage you to do this. Ashton and I have also taken all three of our children on a Passport to Purity weekend that's done by Family Life Ministries. If you get nervous when talking about these things with your child, um, you're not alone. And Family Life has designed a resource where you can go away for one night and they have eight sessions that you do with your child. And depending on their age and gender, you can cater the discussions, but they have illustrations and they, they walk you through the whole weekend. If you just Google Passport to Purity or Family Life Ministries, you can take that trip. And uh, I took that with my son and my wife has taken that with our two daughters. And they say that the person that talks about sex to a child has the most potential and authority to dictate what they believe about biblical sexuality. So if you feel like you haven't done a good job, I would encourage you to go ahead, clear your throat, and just, <clears throat> son, we need to go on a trip. And just do it. Why? Because you can redeem what the devil has tried to mend for evil. God can turn for good in Jesus' name. 
And so I would encourage you to get this book, Passport to Purity by Family Life Ministries as well. And it's a really, really um, great resource to help you. We're here to help you. I don't want to just preach messages that are lofty in theory, but lack actual action to help you parent and help you steward God's gift to you, which is your child. And I'm not going to let the internet win. I'm not going to let YouTube win. I'm not going to let TikTok win. We're going to be people that look to God's word as his design for, God, for biblical sexuality. So I'd like to talk to you today on the subject, God's plan for purity. God's plan for purity. In 1982, First Lady Nancy Reagan uttered three words in response to a schoolgirl who wanted to know what she should say if someone offered her drugs. You know those three words. Don't say them just yet. But the First Lady's suggestion soon became a clarion call for adolescent drug prevention movement in the 80s and 90s. If you're like me, I was born in the 80s, raised in the 90s, and we all know these three words. What are they? Just say no. But now, decades later, studies were done to show that when you teach someone to just say no, or you, they call it refusal rehearsal, it has little or nothing to do to combat substance abuse in youth. If anything, kids heard the program and they became more interested in substance abuse because every adult was telling them, just say no. What's, what secret do these people have that I want to know about when they tell me just say no and they don't explain it? The same research is now being done on sexual sin and where people are told sex is bad, don't have sex, no sex at all. If you have sex, you'll die. It causes young people to lean even in even more and not do things God's way. So this sermon today might be a little uncomfortable for some, but beneficial for many. Because we are going to look at God's plan for sexual purity. I want to bring freedom to anyone at the sound of my voice that struggles or wrestles with their identity. Because God created sex for our enjoyment. The world did not make sex. God created sex. As a matter of fact, my first point, God's first command to mankind was to have sex. Come on, somebody. Genesis 1:27. so God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Can I, do I need to stay there? It's just two. There are only two. There have only ever been two. There will only ever be two, male and female. He created him. No confusion at this church. It might be cool, but we are not confused, okay? It might be loud, haze, lights, LED. We aren't confused. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. God's first command, God's first command to mankind is to multiply, have sex, but in the right order. Let's pray. Father, we love your word. It helps us. It expands our hearts and our minds to understand your way. We submit to your way today and to your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, John. God could have chosen any other way for us to be fruitful and multiply, 
He could have done a stork that brought down a baby from the sky. He could have said, if you kiss a girl, then she goes into the other room and she lays an egg. And she sits on that egg for nine months and then all of a sudden, out of the egg comes a little baby dinosaur. And that baby dinosaur is your baby. God chose sex because I think he wanted to design it to be the greatest, he wanted it to be so that the greatest thing we would ever create would be the byproduct of the greatest pleasure he ever gave. One of the most significant things we will ever create is a child, and it comes as a byproduct of one of the greatest gifts God ever gave to us for our pleasure. Pretty important to realize the significance of sex. God is, good, is a good God, and he gave us sex. And he knows the best context for healthy, enjoyable sex is the context of marriage. This is why in the next chapter, Genesis chapter 2, he says, this is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. God's design for sex is to be shameless, sinless, guiltless. You're not meant to feel any type of way after having sex God's way. You're not meant to feel dirty inside. You're not meant to feel uh, uh, disgusted inside. As a matter of fact, both parties should be committed to one another for life, and that's how God created it. But everything God creates, Satan cheaply imitates. Satan is the chief of confusion. That's why when God says male and female, Satan tries to convince us otherwise. Satan is the father of lies, and he is the king of the counterfeit. God creates worship. Satan counterfeits it with idolatry. God creates commandments. Satan counterfeits it with legalism. God creates love. Satan counterfeits it with lust. God creates community. Satan counterfeits it with cliques and gangs. God creates prosperity and resources with his people. Satan counterfeits it with materialism. God creates dogs. Satan creates cats. I don't know what verse that one was in, but it's somewhere in there. God created real intimacy to happen within marriage. Satan has counterfeited it with cheap sex. And he wants to tempt us outside of everything that's in God's plan. The devil wants to give you a a deviation of God's design so that you fall into temptation all the time. That's why the book of Proverbs says this. Put it on the screen for me if you don't mind. The book of Proverbs says in 5.15 says, Drink water from your own well. Share your love only with your wife. Next verse. Why spill the water of your spring in the streets having sex with just anyone. God's design is for you not to spill sex in the streets with just anyone. See, God's design is to have sex be the most fulfilling thing within the context of the container of your marriage. 
The issue happens when you start to spill it in the streets. You get casual with it. You don't take it serious. And what ends up happening is what God was meant to fulfill, you end up spilling. It's just a picture on Snapchat. It's okay. That picture lives forever. Oh, it's just, it's the only way he'll love me and accept me. He won't take care of my kids unless I spill it in the streets. See, there's a sex that fulfills and there is a sex that spills. I'm preaching to somebody. What has happened in our culture is we have fallen in love with sex that spills in the streets and not sex that fulfills in God's plan. And what ends up happening is in every time you give yourself away, when you do finally come to your senses, you have less to give than what you originally had, how God's designed it to be. And it's not that he cannot redeem it. It's not that he cannot restore it, but from this day forward, now that you have the knowledge, now that you've heard the word from this day forward, you shouldn't be selling it or spilling it or giving it away in the streets because I don't want you to live a life of cheap sex. It's counterfeit. It's not going to satisfy. It's going to leave you empty. Young people, if you are a virgin... You have been given a gift, a sacred gift that will fulfill your spouse. And anyone that you give yourself to before or outside of marriage, you are cheating on your spouse with someone else. There is sex that fulfills and there is sex that spills. What's the difference, pastor? The difference is the order in which you should be participating in how God's designed it. We can go back to seventh grade for this. Seventh grade math. Do you guys remember PEMDAS? Does anybody know what PEMDAS stands for? Please excuse my dear Aunt Sally. <laughs> you remember that? I was homeschooled, so I don't remember any of this stuff. <laughs> we just read the Bible. Like, Old Testament surveys. All you're learning today, son. Parentheses, exponents, multiply, divide, add, subtract. Good for you. I don't know when you'll use that next. There's an app on our phones that does all this for us now. But everything mattered in the right order. The way that you solve problems of sexual sin is by doing things in the right order. The way you remain pure until you're married is to do things in the right. The problem cannot be solved unless you do them in the right order. And many of you, you, you've lived long enough and you have a testimony where you did things out of order and you would say God redeemed it to God be the glory and you regret some of the years that the devil was tempting you to do things out of order and there were consequences involved, but God has redeemed you. And as a testimony time, I'm here to serve your testimony so that others can do things right. right. This is not a sermon about shame. This is a sermon about helping you place an order and at least teach your kids how to do things the right way. Why? Because God's order is perfect. Perfect. 
You want to know what God's order is? I got a list for you. Successfully single and secure. You don't need a man. You don't need a woman for you to be secure and single in who you are in Christ. God created you uniquely, wonderfully, and fearfully. You do not need someone to complete you. You need Christ. So, number one, successfully single and secure. Number two, dating with the intent to marry. We're not selling it, spilling it, sharing it. We're not, we're not doing this. We're dating with the intent to marry, and we're not giving away anything until then. I, would prob- I, I, I probably should add next. I didn't add it, but engaged for a short period of time. Shorter the engagement, the lower the temptation. As soon as there's a ring on it, something happens in your body. We're like, I bought it. I bought the ring. Not until you are married before God and man. So successfully single and secure, dating with the intent to marry, engaged very short, married, sex exclusively in marriage, then multiplication and stewardship. The reason I included included stewardship is because you don't have to procreate or multiply in order for you to be in right standing with God, but you can steward the family of God and the kids that live around you. You can be a great aunt, a great uncle, a great small group leader in our youth ministry, a great kids worker and focused kids. So you either multiply or you steward what others have multiplied. That's God's order. And the world is figuring this out now. Psychology Today says this. This is just in 2019. Despite changing norms and perceptions, premarital cohabitation still appears to be a risk factor for divorce. Now, I know at the, in a crowd this size, we've averaged over 1,100 people at church for the past uh, four weeks or so. I know that there are people that are living together right now. And my encouragement to you would be to, to receive this message, not in shame, but in instruction as your pastor. Amen. It is time that you realize that you either need to get married or break up. Amen. You are doing things out of order. That's right. And when you do things out of order, there are consequences to your sin. Amen. As a matter of fact, across all years examined in this study, the odds of divorce were were. 1.31 times higher for women who cohabitated prior to marriage. The percentage was higher. Well, I just got to try it before I buy it. If you hear him try to tell you, oh, I got to test drive it before I drive it off the lot, tell him I am not a vehicle. And this is not a car lot. And this is not a buy now, pay, pay now, buy here, pay here place. I'm a person. A child of God, destined for greatness. What I got is not cheap. What I got is expensive. And you can't rev this engine until you buy the whole car. I'm helping so many people today. Here's why. Why? Why? Why should not we? Why shouldn't we live together, preacher? Who are you? To, who are you to judge? We're just trying to figure things out. Financial, blah blah blah, college, and we're just trying to wait. No, no, no. Here's why. I know all your friends did it. All your frat buddies do it. Everybody, all the world does it. We're called to be different. Here's why. Physical intimacy makes a great pinnacle for a relationship, but a poor foundation. Yes, it does. It's the opposite of the world and culture. So I want to get to our main passage today to show you <laughs> what a single man says about sexual purity. Because I know what's going on in your mind. Well, preacher, you were married at 19. 
and you've been having sex since you were 19, you are darn right. Under a God covenant before man and before God. And I've been broke as a joke, but I could have sex guilt-free. Guiltless, shameless, and sinless all the time. Why'd you get married so young so I could have sex? I was homeschooled. I was making up for lost time. I don't have a testimony, so I just got married at 19. So let's hear from Paul, who was single. And just so you know, like, well, he's not saying he don't know what it's like to be, you know, 32 and, and divorced. Paul was single. And he says this, 1 Corinthians 6, 12. I have the right to do anything, you say, but not everything is beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but I will not be mastered by anything. For you say food for the stomach is stomach for the food, and God will destroy them both. The body, however, is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. By his power, God raised the Lord from the dead, and he will raise us also. That means we get to participate in a resurrection story as believers. You might feel defeated today. I want to let you know God's going to raise us. We have the power of the resurrection living inside of us. You don't have to feel defeated or deflated today. You can be rest assured that God will also raise us with Christ. We tend to believe three lies. I'm going to move quick. First lie of the three is if it feels good, do it. That's a lie. If it feels good, do it. Your body desires pleasure. And just because it's pleasurable does not mean it's beneficial. This is what I wrote in my notes. Not everything that feels good is good for you. You know what my body really wants? To drive over to Krispy Kreme and to ask the manager if I can lay on the conveyor belt. My body will kill itself if I subject myself to only what my body wants. If I eat only the way that I want, it will lead to an early death. If you sleep with people that you know are dysfunctional, it will lead to an early dysfunctional death. Now, you might not die physically, but you will die spiritually. It might feel good in the moment, but it is not good for you. You take in, substance, in substances that will create habits and addictions that eventually will kill you. You need to not believe the lie that if it feels good, do it. We live in a culture that just says do whatever you want. Do whatever feels good. That's a lie from the enemy. That's a lie from the enemy. The second lie that you believe is I can handle it. I can handle it. We're staying in separate rooms. You lying. We're not, we're, we're not married and we're living together, but we're staying separate, separate bedrooms. Come on, bro. I might have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. We can't handle stuff because it ends up mastering us. I had a pastor who used to tell me, he says, I know I'll never fall morally because every day I wake up thinking that I can. Say that one more time. He says, I, I'll never fall morally because I wake up every day thinking that I can. Meaning he's on guard for the temptation that exists in his life. He doesn't go out there saying, I can handle it. No, he says, I'm submitted to the power of God. I'm submitted to the, to the presence of God. And I can't handle it unless the Lord helps me. So when you get humble about your temptation, when you get real about your temptation, then you have the advocate, which is the Holy Spirit that is with you. 
You can't handle it unless God is with you. You can't live with the idea that you can handle it because it's taken down every preacher. It's taken down every minister. It's taken down your friends, your own family. Why you thought you could handle it, but you can't. Why? Because temptation is creeping at the door. And I have to pray and I have to fast and I have to have accountability and I have to have submission to the power of the Holy Spirit every chance I get. Why? Because if not, I'll fall into this cycle that they're going to put on the screen. It starts with temptation. And temptation leads to confidence. I could do this. I got away with it once. She didn't find out. I cleared my search history on my second phone. Nobody will ever know. Oh, I was able to go to lunch with her and my wife didn't know. I was able to leave my phone at the office so the location services stayed there, but I was able... Am I getting too real for some of you? I, I got Snapchat so that it disappears after they read it. And you get confident. And when you get confident, what it does is it leads to sin. And it leads to perpetual sin because now you've fallen to temptation, given the confidence. Now you keep sinning. And then what sin does is it leads to guilt. And you start to say, I'll get better next time. I'll do better next time. I can handle it. I can handle it. I can handle it. You can't handle it. So you have to not continue this cycle because when guilt sets in, then temptation increases. And then you start getting more confident. Then you start creating habitual sins. Then you start living in more guilt and more shame. And you cannot do that. You need to be free in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. You will not fall subject to the temptations of this world. In Jesus' name. With his help. If it feels good, do it. That's a lie. I can handle it. That's a lie. And this last one, get ready. Lord, help me. My body, my choice. I know we're a very diverse church politically, racially, age, all of it. But it is not your body and it is not your choice. And it's not my job to be a life coach that champions your bad ideas. It's my job to be a proclaimer of the truth of God's word that actually helps you show you God's way. And you can believe that if you want. You have the right to believe my body, my choice, but it's my job to teach you what God says today. My job is not to tell you what you want to hear. My job is to tell you what you need to hear. And what you need to hear is that that's a lie from the pit of hell. The enemy is trying to kill you. It's not your body because it was purchased by God. If you just took communion, then you just acknowledge the fact that Christ died for you and you no longer have the same authority over your body as Christ does. Your body is lying to you. My body does not know what's best for me. God does. God knows what is best. See, it's interesting because we end up feeding our sexual appetite when we say, my body, my choice. That's prideful and selfish. This is especially true when it comes to uh, sexual sin. I wrote this in my notes. Sexual sin over promises on fun, but it under delivers on fulfillment. Sexual sin over promises on fun and under delivers on fulfillment. It is not your body and it is not your choice. You have to surrender your body to Christ. So what do we do with this? We know the three lies. How do, we, how, do we, how do we fight this? Well, here are four keys to fighting sexual sin. Are you ready? Number one, don't believe the lies. You've just been lied to. Just do it. feels good. It's your body, your choice. 
You've been lied to. Don't believe the lies. Sex is not just physical. It's spiritual. And you tie your souls together. And we continually lie to ourselves that we have to have that guy or we have to have that girl to satisfy our desires. We have the enemy of our soul lying to us. Even Paul, a single man, says this. Do you not know that your bodies are members of Christ himself? Shall I then take the members of Christ and unite them with a prostitute? Never. Never. Hear me out. If you have made a decision to put your faith in Jesus Christ, you are saved and your spirit is going to heaven. You have to now tell your body what your spirit has decided. Sexual sin is greater than other sins. You say, oh, pastor, oh, that's not true. I heard that all sins are equal. No, the solution for all sins are equal. The blood of Christ covers all sins. But sexual sin has more consequences because it has others involved. It has generations involved. It's a very big deal. The solution to our sin is the same. However, the gravity of our sins and the consequences of our sins differs greatly. This passage goes on to tell us that sexual sin is not just in our body, but it affects those around us and it will be present in its effects for generations beyond us. When Christians sin, hear me, it doesn't affect our salvation, but it does affect our significance. You need to hear me. You cannot do anything to earn or deserve salvation, but you can jeopardize your significance in the kingdom of God. My purpose is what's tied to my purity. Number two, this is what you got to do. Keep sex within your marriage. If you're not married, you cannot have sex. Can I be a little bit more clear? If you're not married, legally before God, you cannot have sex. If you are separated but still legally married, you cannot have sex. The divorce must be final before you have sex with another person. You must be remarried before you have sex with another person. I've had to tell people all the time, you're still not legally divorced. You cannot do this. If you are married, have lots of sex. Lots of it. As a matter of fact, I would encourage you this week to double the amount of times you are intimate with your spouse. Gentlemen, sex does not start in the bed. For you, it does. <laughs> For the guys, it does. Because we have amnesia and short-term memory loss. G- gentlemen. <laughs> gentlemen. Gentlemen. It starts at the kitchen sink, doing the dishes. It starts when she hears the vacuum cleaner start for the first time in a long time. For a woman, sex is a 12-hour event. For men, it's a three-minute experience. 
Okay? You must understand that intimacy and frequency happen when the relationship is healthy. I've also never met a couple that was going through a hard time that was having sex frequently. Just never met, ne never met a couple that came to counseling and said, we're just really having a hard time right now. And I'll ask, when was the last time you were intimate? And they said, it's been six months, three months. Well, no wonder. What God has joined together, let no man separate. And you must continually live under that covenant. So you need to keep sex within your marriage. Paul keeps the challenge going in verse 16. Do you not know that he who unites himself with a prostitute is one with her body? For it is said, two will become one flesh. But whoever is united with the Lord is, is one with him in spirit. That's God's picture, one flesh. Proverbs 15, 18 says, may your, fount may your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. God gives them in this order because he wants to redeem what the devil has tried to steal. Sex within God's order brings pleasure, but sex outside of God's order brings pain. If you're married, you need to put it on the calendar and make it part of your relationship. If you're currently married and the devil has tempted you to be sneaky or mischievous or you're clearing your search history or you're going to lunch with that coworker or you're staying late after work, right. stop it. You, you are going to tank the gift of God that is marriage. You are going to tank the very thing that you vowed forever. Don't do it. Delete the app. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. I've seen people destroy generations because they're infatuated with someone who is not theirs. Stop. Your spouse should be the only source of intimacy for you. No phone, no app, no site, no person. Your spouse should be the only source of physical intimacy in your life. Paul goes on to challenge us with number three. Don't just fight sexual sin. Flee from it. Flee from sexual immorality, verse 18. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. See, we don't fight this thing. We flee from this thing. Amen. This is a huge difference. I don't, I don't, if you struggle with alcohol, you don't go to the bar and say, oh, I don't want to drink today. <laughs> don't go to the bar. If you, if you struggle with substance abuse, then don't go to your dealer. Don't hang around those people. It's like, that's 101. Don't just fight it, flee from it. I have a perfect record when it comes to fighting. MMA, UFC, boxing, high school, middle school, elementary school, playground, lunchroom. I got a perfect record. Zero, zero. You want to know why? I never fought. I've never fought before. Because anytime it's ever gotten that close, I just run. <laughs> you need to keep yourself a perfect record and stop trying to fight it. Just get out of there. That's right. Just run. That's right. Flee from it. Right. Flee from sexual immorality. I'm proud to say I've never lost a fight because I've never been in one. Many people fall into sexual sin not because they lack willpower, but because they lack wisdom. 
You need to have people around you praying for you. You need to have people surrounding you. It's, it's, not, it's not because we don't believe that this is the right way. Sometimes there's just no boundaries. It's not because you aren't spiritual. It's just sometimes you're stupid. Don't go there. Young people, let me tell you the rule that we follow in my house. You never lay down. If you're dating, you never lay down. If you lay down, things, it's very hard to make a mistake standing straight up. Possible, but unlikely. So young teenage girls, I know you think he's cute. Don't lay down in his lap. He loves that. And he will sweet talk you to the next phase. We don't lay down. You do not lay down with someone. You don't lay down on their lap. You don't, fully clothed, you don't lay down. You do not lay down. Why? Because that just leads to the next thing. So you flee from it. You, you sit straight up at the Denny's or wherever you go to. And you never, you never lay down. The only time you ever lay down with them is on your wedding night. Amen. That's, that's the most practical teaching. That I, you should put more in the offering after that. Amen. <laughs> that's right. We don't lay down. If you lay down, here's what happens. Nothing, is, nothing bad has ever happened if you just remain standing up. But the moment you start to lay down, you start to, that soul tie begins to creep in. If you need prayer, focus.church slash prayer. Our prayer team would always love to pray. If you're fighting temptation right now, if you need prayer, there are places that you shouldn't go. There are movies that you shouldn't watch. There are apps that shouldn't be on your phone. There are websites you should not visit because you're not meant to fight it. You're meant to flee from it. Number four, as the keyboard player comes to get me off this stage, as the next service starts in six minutes. I forgot. And I don't care. So. Number four, you got to rely on God's power and God's people to sustain purity. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. Not your body, your choice. You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. If your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, I wonder who's in charge. I'm asking you to adopt God's values and not your own. I'm telling you that you are a temple of the Holy Spirit designed and crafted to withstand every temptation, not in your own strength, but empowered by the Spirit. What God requires, His Spirit empowers. I close with this. What God requires, His Spirit empowers. He has not given you a requirement that His Spirit cannot help you overcome. Say, well, that's really hard to not have sex outside of my marriage. I'm a man. I, wanna, I, got, I got needs. What you need is a job and a good credit score. And what you need is to move out of your mom's basement. What you need is to start making real money so that you can buy a real ring and put it on a real finger and stop living in an internet fantasy of temptation. What God requires the spirit empowers. I had to get married at 19. Why? Because I was taught God's way. And I met her at 15. My heart was burning with passion. My body was burning with passion. But I refused to allow the world's way to jeopardize my children 
and the generational blessing that is now on them. And what God requires, the Spirit empowers. I want a Spirit-empowered church. I don't want you fighting in your flesh. I want you fighting in the Spirit. I want to encourage you today. I know that at the sound of my voice, there are people living together. There are people cheating on their spouses. There's no way that in a crowd this size, sexual sin is not present. It is one of the devil's most, most used temptations. I want to set you free, not by my words, but by the Spirit of God. That you can walk out of here now with the knowledge of truth that can reform and transform your mind. That you will now submit your body to your spirit. And you will say, if God required it, my spirit can endure it. My body is not my own. I was purchased with a price and I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray right now that you would empower every single person in Jesus' name. Empowerment to overcome temptation, to flee from the schemes of the enemy, to understand that purity is possible. Your grace is sufficient. Your grace is enough that we surrender to you and your ways, you and your plan. If we are caught in the middle of it right now, we repent. And we say, help us make bold decisions. I pray for any couple living together, make them bold to say, we're going to put a date on the calendar or we're going to move out. I pray that if there's any man or woman that is being mischievous outside of their marriage, correct them right now in Jesus' name. Convict them right now. Cause them the boldness to confess and make changes that we might be empowered by the Spirit and not led by the flesh. I thank you for this house, a house that believes in the truth of God's Word and about living it out in a very practical way, in a very countercultural way. We surrender our lives to you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's clap our hands for God's Word today. Thanks again for joining us, and thank you to those who give generously to make this ministry possible. You can click the link in our description to give now or visit www.givetofocus.com. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, and while you're at it, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at My Focus Church. We'd love to hear how God is speaking to you.